Canard, St. Canard. Welcome to the St. Canard Files of Darkwing Duck podcast. I'm your host, Will Santana, and... I'm Mike Russo, and it looks like you need a three-quarter pinkney flange. <laughs> hey, Mike, we got a special co-host with us today. Yes, we do. Um, who's joining us tonight, Will? Uh, Tim Partridge from the UK. Welcome, Tim. Hi, Tim. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey, how's it going, man? You doing all right? I'm great, thanks. Yourself? Oh, man, what time is it out there in the UK right now? It's 2 a.m., but I'm I'm talking Darkwing Duck, so I'm, I'm great. I'm buzzing. <laughs> all right. Well, Tim reached out to us a while back. Uh, you might rem- uh, remember him from our roundtable uh, flash quack that we had. Um, he wanted this episode. Uh, two people joined us later on, uh, part of our Darkwing Zoom chat, and they wanted this episode. But, Tim, you beat them to the punch. Why is that, man? It's it's a great episode. It's a classic episode. Uh, it's it's prophetic in many ways. I think it resonates now, maybe more than it did then, um, and it really instilled a sense of cynicism, I think, into a lot of people at an early age. I think, anyway, I certainly felt <laughs> I got that from it. Um, it works on so many levels. It's really tightly written, really thematically uh, tight. Um, and it's 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 the dialogue's incredible it, and it whips along so quickly too um and darkwing's in every scene as well but um yeah it's as far as i'm concerned this is this is an out and out classic okay well tim tell us a little bit about you man like how did you get into darkwing and stuff like that man okay so um i actually did an interview recently with um with tad stones which is on my website timpartridge.info um i've been a fan ever since the show ever since i first saw the show in the uk we got it a bit later than um than in in north america in fact tad stones the creator was working on aladdin when they when they released it in the uk that's how late it, it, it was released um and um so yeah like uh, it's 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 an honor and a privilege to to be here tonight because i've listened so much to your show i've spent hours days listening to your podcast <laughs> thank and it's you just, it's lovely to just you know finally find human beings to talk about this because I, I I recorded everything religiously I had stacks of VHSs and I had nobody to discuss it with so you know 30 years later here I am and you know it's, it's very exciting okay well guys before we get into the episode Mike I wanted to have a quick discussion uh really quick let's because I know people want to hear this episode especially the liquidator fans They're, this is their baby this is their one and only shot. And, you know, I want to give them a good one. But really quick, I wanted to discuss, do you guys consider this episode tier one, tier two, or even below tier two? Mike, you go first. Um, definitely not tier one. I think the animation holds it back. Um, def- I would say definitely somewhere in tier two. Um, it isn't one of my top 10 favorites, maybe not even top 20, but it's still really up there. I think because it depicts Liquidator so well. Mm-hmm. better than he ever would be shown again. So this episode has its strengths. It isn't a bad episode by any means. So I would say definitely around tier two, no lower than that though. Okay. How about you, Tim? Well, if tier one's the highest, then it's going to be tier one or higher than tier one. Okay. So you, you got tier one. I'm a tier one guy also, uh, Mike. Um, I definitely think it's a top 10. But before you join us uh, on Skype today or to record this, me and Tim were having that discussion. Uh, I told him I felt it was tier one, but I could see the argument where the animation would drop it down. Didn't I say that, Tim? Remember? <laughs> you know, and that's funny that Mike mentioned the, the animation. Uh, so I I won't debate people who say it's tier two i can see their argument in it but i i do feel it's a tier one i I do love this villain he's not my favorite villain but he he is a tier one villain to me well all that said by me this is still i think the best candy episode okay okay all right well let's go ahead and get into this episode mike uh what's our uh what's matter of fact what's the name of the episode mike let's say that first oh yeah we didn't even name this thing um (laughs) it's dry hard does someone want to tell me what that title is a parody of is it? I only thing I could think of is Die Hard. The uh, yeah, Willis. of course. Okay, of course. okay. <laughs> Everyone's favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> okay, well, what's our uh, production and air date order, Mike? Okay, so um, it originally aired Wednesday, November twentieth, nineteen ninety one. Um, this is an earlier one. This is actually twenty third in production order. Um, I don't know why it's airing so late. I mean, I really wish it aired earlier to establish Liquidator faster, you know? 
Um, I don't know why it aired so late, but this is definitely one of the early ones. It's only 23rd in production order. Mm -hmm. So um, this week, our story editor is Dwayne Capizzi. I want to point out something really interesting about him. Looking at all the episodes he was story editor on, we have to give him some credit for being behind the creation of the original Negaduck, Quackerjack, Stegmut, the Liquidator, and the formation of the Fearsome Five. He was behind all those episodes. Yeah, now, he got some good ones. <laughs> yeah, he really, you know, story editor on all the classics, honestly. Mm -hmm. And the writers are Kevin Campbell and Brian Swenlin again. I pointed it out before, out of, they wrote most of the Liquidator episodes. They wrote this one, Negaverse, and both Justice Ducks. They know this character. Mm -hmm. This is one of their early classics for sure. And animation, I've already mentioned them once. Someone tell uh -oh. me who animated this one. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Kennedy? <laughs> it's Kennedy. But um, I think this is their best one. Um, there is some pretty poor animation, but that's true of all their episodes. Mm -hmm. There is one reason this one stands out, but it's better just to wait until we get to those scenes, you know? Okay. Okay. Uh, for me, there, there are certain scenes where I just did not like DW's facial expression, uh, LP's uh, dialogue not going well with his expressions. You know, I was, uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Oh, but, uh, there is one very infamous scene where Launchpad's dialogue doesn't meet his, doesn't match his expression at all. Oh, that might be the scene really? I'm thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. We, we, I think we're talking about the same episode because it, it really caught my eye. I'm like, what the heck? He did, his, his expression didn't even move with what he said. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but uh, let's go ahead and get into the episode. Um, Tim, you still with us? I am. I'm right here. Okay, let's go ahead and get into your baby. Uh, we start <clears> off <throat> the episode. There's another hot scorcher day in St. Canard, and Drake is working on his yard plumbing. Take us away, Mike. Can I just say really quick that I don't like the yellow sky in a lot of Darkwing episodes, but it really works to make this one feel hot. Mm -hmm. Like you, you really get this a heat wave. Um, so Darkwing, so Drake, sorry, is trying to fix his uh, sprinkler system setup. Um, Herb, Herb is master gardener here. His sprinkler system is incredible. Herb's <laughs> a great plumber. Um, Drake just wants to show him up. Mm -hmm. And as he's trying to fix the sprinkler system, he breaks off a little piece that rolls away and falls down a sewer grate. Um, and a couple of construction workers tell him, it's the running joke, that he needs a three-quarter pinkney flange. Just a, a case of a funny word that's just funnier the more they say it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And Tim, tell us what Goslin's doing. Well, it's interesting because th this whole episode, sort of thematically, it's, it's really about too much capitalism is bad for everyone, and we shouldn't let it take advantage of us or we'll all pay a price. And I think now, uh, if you know what, manufactured demanders uh, there's a lot of talk about that now that has been the last 10 years especially regarding water bottled water and um goslin is basically um she's sort of outlining the, the what's going to be the plot for the villain um she's creating a false demand for um for, for bottled water with her little lemonade stall that she's got um and um it's it's really everything here is set up so tightly because you've got those construction workers uh, who you know who, who who come into it and um, you know they're paid off right at the their purpose for being there is paid off right at the end of the episode and it's it's really really like tightly set up this whole opening. That's mm -hmm. true. Yep. And I still think bottled water has like been the biggest scam ever, man. <laughs> but, oh, but definitely. Goslin's yeah. even more shrewd though because she's like dumping whole things of salt into her potato chips. The mm -hmm. potato chips are free. The water isn't. And she's not even selling bottled water. Where is the water coming from, Tim? Well, it's coming from the tap. Um, <laughs> and there was a thing actually at the time too. I mean, this is the thing you have to kind of, uh, when you, when you uh, look back at this episode now, you have to remember at the, that time, bottled water meant something different to what it does now. Bottled water had been a thing kind of from the late 70s through the 80s with things like Perrier, where it was, it was seen very much as a status symbol. It was, so, you know, it was something, a designer lifestyle, something that you've got to have. And a lot of people, if you read, if you Google, if you, if you find lots of news articles from the time, from, from the 80s, bottled water is, is often referred to as this passing fad that's, that's ridiculous because people are paying for something that they could just get from the tap. They're being ripped off. And, um, and anyway, this, it sort of escalates that point later on in, in, in the episode 
But um, that cynicism, her saying, you know, bottled water, uh, natural mineral water from the tap naturally, you know, that's that was that's a comment on uh, that's something that was commented on at the time. So it's really reflecting it that the the time in which it was made. Yeah, because it's coming right out of the garden hose. Yeah. yeah. So then mm-hmm. we get so then we get Drake. He's still plumbing and it, it backfires. His pipes are everywhere, Mike. <laughs> yeah, he just it just becomes a gigantic mess like a spider web of pipes he's not good <laughs> he calls himself the original mr fix it but he's not good at this oh no nah, not at all <laughs> um and they and even herb mentions he needs a three-quarter pink knee flange um <laughs> also this is a, a very quick little bit between herb and drake as drake goes in the house there are scenes i know a lot of the animation in this one is truly bad i will agree with will but there's a handful of scenes in this one that were animated by my fav- one of my favorite animators, John McClanahan. I know I mentioned him in Whipple mm-hmm. While You Work on Quacker Jack's first appearance. That's why that was so good. Here and there in this episode, he pops up. Enough that when I talked to him over a decade ago, he actually remembered he did this one because mm-hmm. he did so much in it. So there's here and there, he does these scenes where if there's any good animation in this episode, it's probably his stuff. Okay. Um, so there's a really quick bit between him and Herb. And then Drake goes inside, and um, Launchpad's watching TV. Does somebody want to tell us what is happening on television right now? He's watching yeah, so, uh, Soft Copy. Go, oh, go ahead, Tim. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yes, uh, Soft Copy, which is a parody of um, a TV show from the time that started in 1989 uh, called Hard Copy. And it was kind yeah. of an investigative journalism tabloid show. Um, but what's funny is the music that they're playing sounds like something out of a Looney Tunes cartoon from the, the, the 50s. And, and the imagery, there's like a boot appears on the screen and stuff. And it's kind of it's completely all not what that is, um, you know, which is <laughs> it's really quite amusing. Um, but um, yeah, and um, and and I, I mean, if I, I I go into what what's happening on the t- TV, we've got uh, we've got uh, a regular uh, Darkwing uh, character makes an appearance, and that is Tom Lockjaw. Yeah, this is the first time they name his uh, his show, isn't it? Yeah. Um, in terms of the production date, um, this is one of his earliest appearances. Actually, um, mm-hmm. his very first appearance um, is an episode that hasn't aired yet. So this is the earliest one that we do. We actually see him in by production order. But he is voiced by Scott Bullock, even though this is, this is an early one. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's going on in St. Canard that he is reporting on, guys? He's reporting okay. musty water. <laughs> yeah, and I was going to say, the, the thing that's, again, this is uh, building on what I'd said before about that time. Um, you know, I sort of mentioned it, 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 bottled water had been seen as this yuppie fad, and that You've got Tom Lockjaw who's standing outside of uh, this this building called La Grande Yappe. I mean, it's not <laughs> subtle at all. You know, this is, and, and then you've got these two uh, models, the uh, yuppie people, uh, talking in Valley Girl accents, talking about Zinfandel. They were comparing this dirty water to Zinfandel, which at the time was a wine that was synonymous with yuppies. So you've got this dialogue that's going on for 30 seconds that a child's never going to understand what's going on. And I remember as a child watching this, I asked my mother and she had to explain what a yuppie was and what a Zinfandel was. And, and it meant something to her. But, I, you know, you get the gist of it, but it's really adult humor. And, and I've said this to, to Mike uh, and yourself before, Will, as well. I think that Darkwing was really the start of the kind of post-Simpsons, kind of more edgy uh, Disney content. Um, and this certainly, you know, this is this is so heavy evidence of that because no way in it's even something like the, you know, in, in, in DuckTales or Tailspin, you'd never divert away into into this kind of stuff, you know. Um, so, yeah, really, really quite edgy and topical stuff. Mm-hmm. We have, by the way, the two women who are talking um, are voiced by, I believe it's hard to go on because IMDb does not credit the um, actresses for these two characters. But I'm. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe they're B.J. Ward and Darlene Carr. Um, we've talked about B.J. Ward before. If our listeners remember, she was Gloria Swansong and the female Pat from Whiffle While You Work. Um, Darlene Carr, super quick, born in 1950. I believe she's retired. This is the only like Disney afternoon thing she's done. She seems to be most well known as a singing voice of the girl at the end of the Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, not right. much Disney stuff. Okay. That's really all I really need to say about that. Right, yes. right. And also, 
Also, just on the bottled water plot as well, I was just going to say, when this would have been developed, which would have been, you know, in early 1990, I guess, when they were probably pitching the, you know, the ideas for the show, there was an incident that happened that was sort of, it was reported on at the time uh, nationally. And in, in, in the United States, Perrier, um, their entire stock had to be withdrawn because there were traces of benzene found in the water. So it, this was actually a massive coincidence. I asked Tad Stone about it and he said, no, you know, this is had nothing to do. It's complete coincidence that that happened. But it's oh, just wow. really interesting that you have these things that are in the air, you know. Um, so, yeah, this was a really relevant uh, episode. So okay. it's time to meet our villain. Bud Flood. Bud Flood. Okay. Um, we have talked about Jack Angel before. Um, a ways back in Justice Ducks. Um, all I really want to say about him right now is that this man is turning 90 this year, and I believe he's still active. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I saw and, he went to a couple of conventions and stuff. He was still doing conventions, so. I mean, anytime he wants to pack it in, no one's going to blame him for it. I mean, he has a, he's had an amazing career. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, props for Jack Angel. Yeah. So what's going on with Bud Flood, Mike? Well, Bud Flood is obviously a crook. Um, he's talking about how there are germs that date back to the days of the dinosaur that are affecting water from some of his competitors. And he's made it clear, not his water, of course, his water is nice and clean and you, you definitely should be drinking his water. Um, <laughs> obviously, he's a crook, you can tell. He ain't. He is not no innocent the way Bushroot and Megavolt were before their uh, incidents. Mm-hmm. Um, also, really quick about him, he's got two spokesgirls who you never see who they are they're always dressed up in costumes mm-hmm. yeah. and it, they, in this in this scene they're dressed as bottles of water <laughs> they're, they're great because they act as a kind of narrative greek chorus for the liquidator and rich really weird is they're they're exclusive to this episode they're never continued in any other but um and again they're quite i mean this is also of its time i mean you know they're they're, they're basically just objectified objectified long women's legs you know there's no personality there but that's kind of how you know it's it's again it's 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 making fun of advertising um and the idea of sex selling and you know I mean, again quite quite edgy to have that in a in a, in a disney show mm-hmm. yeah they're just just pairs of legs sticking out of costumes even if anatomically it makes no sense <laughs> um so yeah they mention you know someone's befouling the water of St. Canard and of course Drake's like no one befouls the water of St. Canard. Um so he has to get to the bottom of this. Him and yep, Launchpad. Yep, they're on the case. Mhm. Time darkwing time. Yep. Um Launchpad gets a really stupid line. Um he goes it's hotter than a monkey's uncle. <laughs> <laughs> and Darkwing gives us look to the camera like did he just say that? <laughs> Yeah, and so, then uh, where they where they end up at, Mike? They um uh they they want to get something to drink, mm-hmm. and so they stop at the beverage barn, beverage hut. I forgot what it was called, and all of the water there has been contaminated except for two types. Cuckoo fizzy water, right? Cuckoo fizzy water. Do you think and, it's a? Do you think it's a sub- subsidiary of Cuckoo Cola? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and, and, and of uh, course, blood, right? But floods water. So one of those two, Darkwing assumes, is going to be hit next. And what's what's kind of fun as well is that the the shop vendor, he's got like a little bow tie and stuff on. And even though, as I said, this is stuff that was very cutting edge in 99 bottled water. Like everyone's kind of dressed, even Bud Flood himself, they're dressed like they're out of a Looney Tunes cartoon from the 50s. They're very sort of classical. Um, and um, I also noticed as well, too, if you look when you see the, the bottled waters, you see all those different competing brands. They're mostly glass bottles. Bud Flood is the only one that has single-use plastic bottles. And uh, I'm sure, you know, it's a coincidence I'm probably reading into it, but I like to think that somebody was thinking about that then, you know, that they made the villain have, be the one who's got the plastic ones. I don't know. You know, it's just an interesting detail. When I was watching, re-watching it recently, I thought, oh, that's interesting. Awesome possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first place Darkwing and Launchpad hit turns out to be the right place. They go over to the Cuckoo Fizzy Water Factory, and yeah, they catch Bud Flood in the act. Yeah, he's contaminating it. Um, really super quick. As he's contaminating it, he says, slop, slop, fizz, fizz. <laughs> That's a um, play on the Alka-Seltzer jingle. Uh, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Yeah, there's, a few, there's a few of those things in this episode where they actually take real jingles and they twist them a bit. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Darkwing is shows it... up. He gets an entrance. And um, what is it? I am the parking meter that expires while you shop. <laughs> Were you going to say something, Tim? I was just going to say that the pots that you see, the, the big vats of, with the clown faces on, they're incredibly Silver Age comics. They look like the Joker's uh, mobile from the 1950s uh, well, Silver Age comics. Speaking of the Joker, and of course you're right, Tim, because Silver Age is what inspired Tad and everybody else writing for the show. Absolutely. But, but speaking of the Joker, what happens to Bud Flood? Will? Oh, I thought he was asking you. All right, sorry. Anybody <laughs> who wants to jump in. <laughs> well, as as you say, he his his dad he he ends up falling to a fate that's similar to the to the Joker's into a vat. Um, and and before that happens as well, I just wanted to mention that you'll notice when you see Bud Flood doing his his plop plop fizz fizz, um, he's kind of animated in shadow across his face and across his body. Darkwing and Launchpad aren't. And I think that's a really, it's a really clever, you know, it's a clever little device. And I, and I think the whole thing is so beautifully art directed. Um, but um, yeah, no, it, it ends up, as you say, going into the uh, into, into the world of Batman and the Joker. Yeah, the 89 mm-hmm. version specifically. Mm-hmm. And Darkwing goes to save him, sticks a broom into the contaminated water, and the tip of it gets all melted. And it and... feels almost kind of callous, don't you think? The way that, I mean, because it's, 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 it, <laughs> You've got uh, Darkwing sort of, he's, he kind of like moves into Flood and Flood, if you look at the physics of it, Flood walks backwards and then kind of falls over, topples over the banister and then falls into the vat. But there's no, the motivation for it is literally just Darkwing pointing to him. So he jumps back at that and then he falls in. It's really, and it's brilliant um, the way it's done and the dialogue that Jim gives. Uh, you're, you're going up the river, Mr. Uh, I forget the, the dialogue. Taste the test. Mr. Taste Test, he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dialogue of it and that, that the foley that you get, the foley sound effects of the uh, the feet clattering uh, sounds absolutely, you know, it works really, really well. But then when he comes down and you, you can see that he's melting and he kind of, well, it's somebody feels him sort of callous. He sort of says, uh, "Well, the cases are so much easier when the bad guy uh, tops himself like that." And it's really meta, you know, I and quite dark. Say, a lot of those early Darkwing Duck episodes are a little bit dark and grotesque in their own ways. They kind of get away from villains dying in such grotesque ways. I mean, it's nothing compared to the next episode we're going to do next week. But um, still, he's he's melting alive in this vat of contaminated water. It's it's a little, little yeah. disturbing when you think about it. Well, it's mm-hmm. a living person dying, and it's it's that dark humor that you can access, and the way that it's it's kind of deflated with a joke. I mean, none of this would have ever happened um, in any of the kind of pre-Simpsons uh, Disney shows, and and I, I I love it. I think it's I just think it's so brilliantly morbid. It's beautiful. So we get um we haven't we have the next scene. We're back at Drake's house, and um, we have a reporter from Better Better Homes No Better Than Your Home and Garden which mm-hmm. is a play on the magazine Better Homes and Garden. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, he's interviewing Herb. Yeah, you know, man. Herb has a great fountain, great sprinkler system. Herb knows what he's doing. Once again, Drake royally screws up. He turns on the water, and instead of the water coming out on the sprinkler system, it floods his entire house. Mm-hmm. And we get what? that on the soundtrack as well. You get a version of what sounds like, um, you know, the track Wipeout by the Safaris. It's mm-hmm. like They've, they've composed a piece of music that sounds very close to that. Maybe it is it. I don't know. Um, but and I was going to just say as well, too, like this whole sequence, this whole subplot that we've got here with the um, with the picnic flange and, and with the fountain, it's it thematically fits in with the bottled water plot as well, too, because it's it's again, it's sort of this idea of something that you don't need this consumerism and, and having something that you don't even understand. He doesn't even know what, uh, Jake doesn't even know what a pitney flange is. And that's kind of the, the, the fun of it. And it's kind of the same way of, uh, you know, it's like it's making a comment the same way as with the uppies with bottled water. You don't really need it, but you feel like you do because that's going to lift your designer lifestyle. And that's made furthermore so by having the reporter show up and make it a competition for gardens as well. Yeah, this is when Drake finally decides he does want to get a hold of that flange. So mm-hmm. they decide to go to the hardware store to pick one up. And that's when something comes out of the sewer, grabs Darkwing, and pulls him into the sewer. Yep. It's somebody in the the disguise, Mike. It's somebody in the disguise. (laughs) It's someone wearing a trench coat and a hat. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. we see the two legs, too, though, don't we? Yeah. 
and he <laughs> starts to introduce himself. Also, the singers are back wearing big um, boxes with question marks on them. What's mm-hmm. going on here? Who could he be? Um, we get a little rendition of Glory, Glory, Hallelujah as well in the background too. Yeah, they hum um, it. And, and it's it, it's very it's almost like Citizen Kane, isn't it? The the presentation uh, on the stage. It's very it's it's not '90s marketing. Again, it sort of feels very classical, kind of American. Um, you, you know, as I say, it feels, it feels like something. It, it wouldn't be out of place into something like Citizen Kane. Mm. So here's a here's a great little morbid bit that I like. Um, Bud Flood, we know it's Bud Flood by the voice, um, mentions to Darkwing that he pushed him in the vat of contaminated water. And Darkwing is not happy about that. He's like, pushed you, you fell in. We even tried to save you. And he pulls out the broom. He still, <laughs> he still has the broom with the melted tip. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's carrying this thing around for absolutely no reason. Yep. Okay, so he isn't really Bud Flood anymore. He is a new identity. Will, yeah. who is he now? We got the liquidator, finally. <laughs> I like how he reveals himself. Um, this is also, this this shot here is also some John McClenahan animation. He throws his arms open, and then he oozes out of the trench coat into a mm-hmm. puddle in the floor, and yeah. then forms back up into the liquidator. Really yeah, this... good stuff. He gets a great entrance. Go ahead, Tim. No, as I said, there's some absolutely beautiful animation in this of, of the liquidator. And I mean, in terms of like what you were saying, all that kind of like that fluid kind of movement. And it reminds me very much of the abyss, the water creature from the abyss, obviously, and also Terminator 2, the T-1000 that came out this year. And this kind of like this abstract idea of shapes moving and twirling. And I love it when he grabs Darkwing and pulls him into the sewer and it does that weird twirl in his hand. It's absolutely amazing. You know, it's really interesting to look at. It's beautiful imagery. Well, I'm glad you like that animation, Tim, because I'm about to bust your bubble in about a minute. <laughs> there, yeah, there's a few there's a few moments coming up where it's like, ah, oh, they really should have done a better job with this. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike, take us away. What are happened? you are you referring to the scene where Liquidator picks Darkwing up and throws him against a wall? No, I'm <laughs> not there yet. When Go he ahead. hits the when he hits the wall, it's like a two year old druid. <laughs> really bad. I mean, Kennedy had some good animators like John McClenahan and our friend Derek Bond. But they had some, oof, some really bad ones. Um, so what Liquidator does, this is another scene with some cool McClendon animation, is he grows a wall of water around Darkwing and then heats it to boiling. And Darkwing is like, ooh, water, ooh, I'm scared. He sticks his beak into it and scalds himself. <laughs> and so here's, and the women come back and now they're dressed as lobsters. Uh-oh, and I think, we're, I think we're leading <laughs> up to the really, really, Everyone talks about this. I, you're not the only one who's mentioned this, um, Will. Launchpad mm-hmm. suddenly bursts into the room. Mm-hmm. And because Launchpad enters, um, the, water go, the water comes down, Darkwing's okay, and the lobster women show up. And Launchpad screams, ah, lobster women! But he's drawn so casual. No he's, facial expression whatsoever, man. He, like, <laughs> like, casually pulls his hair back as if he's just, you know... No, he's screaming, but no expression whatsoever. <laughs> oh, you got to rewatch that, Tim. You got to rewatch it, man. When he screams, like, you would think he was, like, frightened or something, but his body is, like, just a normal posture. Like, he's just posting up somewhere. <laughs> I, I, I have to go. I've never noticed it when I've watched it. I was going to say just before that, when we have the uh, the bit where Darkwing says, this duck's goose is cooked, and then we fade to black, and then we fade back up again, and you've got Liquidator. You'll notice at the left-hand side of the screen, inexplicably, there's a television camera that says LTV, and Liquidator's addressing that camera. And mm-hmm. Darkwing's known for breaking the fourth wall and, you know, frequently talking to camera and addressing the audience and stuff. But especially with a character who is uh, media savvy and is in advertising, you think what sometimes in this episode, I think, what is the who are they looking at? Who are they looking at at this point? Like where LTV liquid, I guess that's liquidator TV. Where's that? Where is Gotta that be. being shown? <laughs> you know, he addresses the audience a lot in this one. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, back to the episode. Uh, Liquid Air, he takes off in the pipes, right, Mike? Yeah. And this is the last time we see the singers because they walk by in pipes, too. And mm-hmm. Darkwing tells them to get lost. And then they leave and you don't <laughs> see him again. <laughs> Isn't that so weird, though, that they're, 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 you know, they're never seen as accomplices. They're just seen as these mascots. 
You know? they're, fun, they're funny, but I don't think I would have wanted to see them go the whole episode, though. That would have gotten really old. Mm-hmm. Um, so Liquidator, yeah, well, he escapes in the pipes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Darkwing still thinks he's great at plumbing, so he tries to reroute all the pipes and makes a complete mess of the waterworks, a complete maze of pipes. And he insists there isn't a leak in the joint. But yeah, Liquidator, he gets away. He slams Darkwing on the head with a water mallet. Mm-hmm. And Darkwing makes a comment. Who would have thought fighting a watery villain would be so hard? <laughs> and that gives the Liquidator an idea. Yep. What does he do, Tim? Well, at that point, he 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 has this weird ability where he touches water and he makes it hard. He makes it into a rubbery substance. He has abilities in this one that he would never go back to ever again. And this is one of them. Yeah. And he, not just rubbery, the water turns yellow. Mm-hmm. So all the water in St. Canard solidifies. We get some Muddlefoot action. Um, we actually see Tank. Yeah, he's trying to jump in the pool. <laughs> and he bounces and the, right out. The other thing as well, too, they do this uh, three times in this episode. They do these stylized transitions. One of them is actually before, when they when Liquidate goes up the pipe. Um, you see, like, uh, they transition to, to from Darkwing going underground to the waterworks. They, they, they have this wipe of water splashing across the screen. Um, and then they do, I think, similarly, they do the same thing uh, for that transition to the montage where we see Goslin and, and uh, the Muddlefoots. And Goslin's wearing a shell suit. Have you noticed that? Mm-mm, I didn't catch that. Yeah, she's, she's wearing a tracksuit. It's really weird. Um, there's a, um, a few episodes where they do interesting scene transitions like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like in uh, Toys R Us, when the axe slides past the camera as Goslin's in trouble at school. Um, so yeah, so he turns all the water solid. Um, yeah, we see Herb doing the dishes, and then all the di- the water in the sink solidifies. It's odd. He, his power affects water that's that's standing in pools and has no water yes. source. So whatever his power is, it affects literally all water, not just it's water connected to pipes. Isn't it? Yeah, he can, like, everything. Pools and just standing water and sinks. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, Darkwing and Launchpad fall into the bay, and it's the only water in town so far that isn't solid. And Darkwing goes, we can drink the bay. Nah, nah. Really funny drawings of his face. A little too wrinkly and strange, but I do like it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what, we- Mike? Mm-hmm. Sorry, Mike, I was just going to say, on that shot where he says, we can drink the bay, nah, nah. What it does is it's really, I mean, it's a, uh, this is a great piece of animation I like. It's very cinematic, but you've got Darkwing in the foreground and you, the camera's focusing on him. And then as he's talking, you go out of focus on him and you focus on Liquidator in the background so that it creates that sense of depth, like really shallow depth. And um, I assumed the way that they animated that would have been with, you know, the traditional Disney way with the multi-plane camera. Um, and just to quickly explain what that is, that's where you've got like several, rather than just having like the characters on a flat background, you have several layers of backgrounds. So then you can have things like, you know, the foreground, you know, you can have the, you can have things like, so say somebody walks through a forest or something, you can have the trees actually, uh, you know, perspective moving and that kind of thing. And I thought that's how they did it. And I asked Tad Stones and he, and cause I thought it might be done optically. Um, it might be done with rephotographing and, and compositing on. And he said that's how they did do it. And the reason I noticed that is because there's a matte line slightly on on uh, on Darkwing's face. So, yeah, yeah that's you can't, you can't go in and out of focus if everything's on a flat level. Yeah, I don't see many cartoons doing that kind of thing, especially back then. You could probably do it easily now with digital. Oh, God, um, you could do it no problem on Photoshop but or on uh, After Effects or whatever. But, I mean, it was just amazing that they had that kind of technique, which you kind of associate with more with something like Roger Rabbit or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So Liquidator solidifies the entire bay, traps the boat, traps a fish, traps Darkwing and Launchpad up to their up to their waists. And, you know, Liquidator does a little um, sales pitch as this act ends. He's now going to be selling his own bottle water, which is the only thing left in town to drink, um, for the low, low price of $5,000 a bottle. <laughs> geez, yeah, right. Five geez. <laughs> yep. And then, yeah, it's funny. All right, so then what happens? Uh, we got uh, DW and uh, Launchpad. They're in the bay. They're trying to get out, right, Mike? Yeah, this is, I think it's my favorite. From a comedic standpoint, this is my favorite scene in the episode. Yeah, Darkwing's narrating the fact that they're stuck, and Launchpad's trying to get out. He's pulling up, and he suddenly Launchpad's, like, bobbing up and down. Like, they're all stuck. 
So this is this is this this one bit is my favorite bit. He pulls out what he calls a 200 horsepower thing cutter. It's just yeah. this giant motorized circular blade. He 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 revs it up like a lawnmower, and the thing goes haywire, twists him up into a braid, and then zooms off. And as Darkwing think- watches it go, he goes, "Adios." <laughs> thing cutter it's it's really it's really funny it just even the way jim just says adios thing cutter so and they it's have pure, to... it's, chuck, it's pure chuck jones as well isn't it it's roadrunner essentially um the animation of it as it goes off into the background and um a lot of the artwork is very no, more morris noble inspired throughout darkwing but this especially seems um very very uh, classic warner brothers um I, and i just wanted to comment quickly just on the, the you know we we're saying about the whole thing the drought that's there and i think um you know really when you've got this post-apocalyptic saint canard it's amazing that 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 the show starts with this kind of first world problem of darkwing must superficially save these uh you know save yuppies from their bottled water seems a bit silly and then Mm -hmm. and then at this point it takes it up somewhere you'd never think that it would go and it's become it's literally about the most precious resource we've got in the world and it's and it's implied that it's a national if not international drought that's caused by this one villain so it's crippling the whole world and and um, and again like this and he's holding plastic bottled water and i think it's incredibly prophetic and and quite scary but it takes on so much more weight than what it you know initially it's just this guy who's doing industrial espionage and sabotage and now it's turned into something where it's it, the whole humanity could be brought down because of corporate greed you know i mean that's it's 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 really something all right, well, so, we have to pick this up a little bit, Mike. Um, so now we got Darkwing and yeah. Launchpad. They're moving up like a, a building or something. Uh, they're trying to break loose from the the, the frozen... Well, it's not frozen. What, what yeah, you they, they, they had to pay someone to cut them out of it, but it's still stuck around their lower bodies. So mm-hmm. they have to get out of this rubbery water they're stuck in. So they, they bounce up a fire escape <laughs> up a 99-story building and jump off the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, it works. It must have hurt, but it works. Um, so they have to stop Liquidator, and Darkwing decides to, you know, just do a little bit of an outfit change. Um, he shows up at Liquidator's hideout. He gets a quick entrance. I am the hairball that clogs your drain. Oh, no, I am the soap scum that lines your bathtub. He has a bunch of them in this one. He comes in with, like, a neckerchief and a striped tank top and, and, um, and, uh, sandals, and Liquidator laughs at him because he reminds him of his cousin Morty. Uh, none yes. of the girls would ever talk to him. Mm-hmm. So Darkwing threatens, um... The liquidator with a kitchen sponge. So liquidator jumps down the uh, bathtub drain. He goes, away goes Licky down the drain. That's the Roto-Rooter uh, slogan. Away away those troubles down the drain. It's the Roto-Rooter, the plumbing slogan. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're battling liquidator um, underground. Was that a and hot they, water heater where they tried to trap him? Yeah, they trapped him in the heater. Okay, I didn't know. I, I didn't know what that was. It looked like a boiler or something. I was like, "Is that a boiler or a hot water heater?" <laughs> Darkwing is tightening a pipe, so Liquidator only has one way to go. So mm-hmm. they trap him in the water heater, but the heater turns him to steam, and he escapes. But since now there's nothing in the furnace, it overheats and explodes. Um, really funny drawing of Darkwing, like this gigantic open mouth gasp when he realizes what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. And he finally admits he's a lousy plumber, and he he gives up. He's not the original Mr. Fix-It. He's not good at what he does. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Will, Liquidator tries to make an exit, but where does he end up? He, he ends up in the freezer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he freezes solid. But we see a new power from him, though. He can create minions made of water. Mm-hmm. He... He can change temperatures, the molecular level of water, makes minions. He's got a lot of great powers here. Um, and he comes out of the freezer, like he freezes solid. Darkwing mentions he doesn't like crushed ice. This isn't the first time he mentions he doesn't like crushed ice. <laughs> and he crushes Liquidator into tiny little cubes. Um, but suddenly the, the pipes burst. Um, Liquidator comes back to normal and decides to bring all the water back, turn it, turn it watery again. And he uses a gigantic tidal wave to chase Launchpad and Darkwing all through the sewers. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they find something laying on the ground in the sewer. Tim, do you remember what it was? It's the ultimate payoff. It's the Pinkney flange from from earlier. And uh, <laughs> and, uh, and and Launchpad points out, "Gee, uh, a Pinkney flange." 
and uh, yeah, Greek Twitter too. <laughs> yeah. So obviously yeah. he knows where they're at now. <laughs> yes, they're right right below the house, um, where Goslin, without any water, Goslin's business is suffering. Mm-hmm. And just as Goslin complains, she needs some water flow. A gigantic torrent of water flies out of the manhole, throws Darping and Lockpan out of it too. She's incredibly precocious, isn't she? A lot like Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes, who she's based on, talking about cash flow and stuff when she's ten years old. Mm-hmm. And then she, uh, and then she makes, she tries to actually make Darkwing buy a glass of water from her. <laughs> and and because of that, Liquidator sees her and thinks, you know, she would be good to have in my factory to like be enterprising with me to help me sell my water. And he instructs the minions to go after her. My assumption is he wants to mutate her too. Mm-hmm. Like that's dark. He says, take her back to the factory. Yeah. Um, so Goslin suddenly becomes an a necessary character in the episode, like kind of last minute to really make a big deal out of her. But, you know, you have to threaten Goslin to get Darkwing to really react. Mm-hmm. Um, so we finally figure out how to stop Liquidator. Yep. How the payoff with the, it? the payoff with the, the construction guys with the cement. Mm-hmm. Yep. I love Darkwing gets on top of the cement mixer and goes, fat chance, Mr. Waterhead, <laughs> and dumps the cement on top of him. Yeah. And then and finally, just, all the water is turned back. Now it's no longer uh, dried. It's no longer dry hard. Yeah, yeah the I, little, little centerpiece Herb made with the dishes in the sink water. He, mm-hmm. he he puts it on the coffee table. It's the only time in the episode we see Binky. She doesn't talk though. Mm-hmm. And when the water becomes liquid again, his centerpiece falls apart. Um, and all <laughs> the water is fine in town. The the fish is okay. The boats can go. Everything's fine. And Liquidator is just a big cement statue now. Mm-hmm. That's it's, it. It's, re- it's really funny, too. You mentioned about the Muddlefoots, because that's so in character, because they sort of represent the very kind of kitsch, uh, uh, you know, suburban picket fence, quackerware, you know, they're, they're all, they're very, Pelican's Island. And that centerpiece, it, it, even though it's for this episode, it just seems so muddlefoot, doesn't it? It just seems this, the kind of thing that they would buy and they would have. Um, and that, that fish, do you remember there's the fish, the sunbathing fish that we see yeah. um, in the bay? And the idea of like, you know, in these shows where you've got the main characters are basically, instead of being humans, they're ducks and whatever in Disney tradition. Um, the idea of having anthropomorphized kind of smaller animals that then look at the camera and talk. I mean, it's, it's, it's really funny, you know, really clever. But and, and the, I think that's really clever too, having the fish sunbathe. That's brilliant. <laughs> it's so funny. Okay, well, so how do we, we finish this, Will? All right, let, before we let's finish this with let's go ahead and give our scores out. But before we give our scores, oh, uh, oh we we didn't do the very last scene. Oh, okay, Darkwing, go for it. Drake actually he finally gets recognized for his plumbing spectacular. The guy from the magazine comes back, and Goslin's like, "Yeah, you did a great job, Dad." And we discover what his masterpiece is. Um, Liquidator is the fountain in the middle of his front lawn, and he's squirting water out of his mouth. And Dar- Drake says, I couldn't have done it without my old friend, Licky. Licky. And that is how we end. Okay. All right. So now that the dry heart is done, uh, let's give our scores, our Gascon canisters. But we have two, bu- two friends of ours that hang out with us on our Zoom chats every weekend, and they are big time Liquidator fans. So I asked them to submit us their their scoring of this episode. You guys, here it is. Hey guys, it's Owen. I'd have to give this episode four and a half Gasgun canisters due to the fact that this is Liquidator's time to shine. He's not pushed to the corner in a fearsome five episode. He really gets to showcase his powers and everything that comes with them. Um, he really he's a really menacing foe for Mister Fix It. Okay. But the animation is a bit off for me at times throughout the episode, but it doesn't drag me away from the overall action and story of this episode. Um, As far as Dry Hard as an episode, I would also give it five canisters. It is a little shaky sometimes with animation, but then there's some beautiful shots in there too. And it's written really well, and yeah, one of my favorite episodes. Okay, so that's Tiffany and uh, Owen Score. They're close friends of ours for this episode. Uh, Tim, how many gas gun canister are you going to give the episode? Don't rate the villain yet. Oh, I, I, I could hundreds, hundreds of gas canisters. <laughs> hundreds? Hey, oh, man. That, that's Will Stick. 
<laughs> they go over five. Okay, so so you really love this episode, huh? I think it's perfect. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's delightfully cynical and funny and morbid and and uh, you know it's pertinent now probably more than ever and um, and and it it opened up my young self to, to to you know to bigger ideas and um, it's it's brilliant. He's a that character that villain is 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 you know I'd, I'd love to know what Scrooge McDuck would think of him. I'd like to know what Milton Friedman would think of him actually. <laughs> he's 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 quite the character. Mike, how many gas guns are you gonna give it? I'm going to give the episode three and a half. I think it's strong. I think the animation tends to hurt it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I do think this is probably the best score I've given a Kennedy episode. I'm not sure. Three and a half is definitely above average, though. I don't know if I'd go any higher. Because this isn't one of my personal favorites. Although I do think it's really good. How about okay. you, Will? Uh, I, I go four and a half. I really like this episode. The flow of it. Uh Bud Flood to Liquidator, I love it, man. He, I think he's, as a villain, he's strong, man. I, I kind of hate how they bring him down, like just put cement on him or put pudding in him so far from what we've seen, and he's easily defeated. I hate that. But mm. he 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 pushes Darkwing throughout all these episodes, man. He really does. And, right. and I like and I like that. You know, uh, I'm kind of rating him. I shouldn't have done that right now. But but for the episode, I, overall, <laughs> I like it. You know, I, I'm going to stick with my score, man. I really like it. I think it's a tier one. It doesn't get the perfect five, Tim and Owen and Tiffany, because ugh, that animation to me is just so poor, man. It really hurts it. But um, guys, you know, as I said, let's go ahead and score our villain now. But um, Owen and Tiffany also sent me their scores. Here it is. Hey, guys, it's Owen. Uh, for me, I'd have to give Liquidator five gas gun canisters simply because Bud Flood was already a greedy and menacing businessman. And his origin story is a little tragic. I mean, he didn't ask to be pushed into a vat of contaminated water. So, when he does get his powers, his powers are so great in that he can control water at a molecular level, he can change the temperature, and just the fact that he can control water makes him one of the most powerful villains of Darkwing Duck. He even gives Darkwing a run for his money most times. So yeah, it's, it's no question for me. I'd give Liquidator five Gasgun canisters. And he really puts the fearsome in Fearsome 5. Hi, my name is Tiffany. And, uh, well, considering Liquidator's my favorite villain, I'm definitely going to have to give him five canisters. Even though this is his only solo episode, it's a really, really good one. And, if anything, him being in less episodes makes it so you always want to see more of him and you're not sick of him like some of the other characters that they used a little too much. All right, so we knew we could, they were going to give them a perfect score. They love Liquidator. <laughs> so, Tim, continue this pattern, man. What are you going to give Liquidator? What's his score? The highest, five. Um, I mean, I, I, there are issues out, like in terms of establishing a character that can be used later on in the series. Mm-hmm. Mike had mentioned about the telekinesis and those kind of inconsistencies, and you just mentioned, too, about the pudding thing, too. It's like there's a lot of stuff that's in here that once you've done it, you really can't go back from it. Once you've had him with concrete mixed into him so he's stopped you always know that's the way you can defeat him so Mm -hmm. they kind of get out of it because the whole not having a continuity not having not adhering to continuity within the darkwing duck universe is a thing but i think there's yeah there i'm aware of the the issues but i i I give it full marks okay how about you mike i was gonna give him a three and a half but after watching this episode a couple of times and talking to you guys i'm gonna go up to a four but i can't really go i can't really go too much (laughs) higher because This episode presents him in such a very strong, fantastic way, but then pretty much all later episodes depower him, like, so, so drastically. I mean, like I said, he can control the temperature, the molecular structure, he can make minions out of it, he can transform his body into different things, but in later episodes, he's defeated by getting stuck in a bottle, or a net drops on him, or jello, or... He's so depowered. In this one, he can have a conversation with Darkwing. He's mm-hmm. not trapped in that ad speak. Like, he can actually talk and discuss things. In later episodes, he has no real personality outside of the jingles and the ad speak. And mm-hmm. I feel like he becomes a much lesser character in all those later episodes, where here, I wish they would have done more with him in this. Mm-hmm. Do you know but, what? It's because it's anchored on Bud Flood. That's what does it, because you've seen that transformation, and he gets worse, and he's getting wor- and he's basically taking over the whole world's water system, turning it into yeah. hard water. And mm-hmm. as you said, there isn't that isn't earned in any of the other episodes. That isn't there, so yeah. he becomes a gimmick. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give him a four also, Mike. Uh, that was my original score. I'm sticking with it because I definitely feel this episode just shows the strength of him. And it's a great origin story, man. I, I love it. It's a great episode for him. You know, it shows his strength, his powers and all that. But like you said, I guess I could think of a, I think ahead. And he's just, man, he's defeated so easily. And it just kind of messes him up. And he's never done justice again. Like, he yeah. he never, he doesn't get a solo episode again after this, right? This is and, it. No, and the best of Liquidator is honestly behind us. Mm-hmm. Like, he was great in Justice Ducks. They had him up against Neptunia, and he took over his portion of the city. A great but battle. We, we see him a couple more times in two other episodes where he's really depowered, and he's not much of a character. They could have done more with him, but it's kind of... They're kind of an autopilot with him now because they have to stick him with the Fearsome Five, and that's all he's going to be, mm-hmm. a member of that group. You know, um, right. I will say I will say one thing. Every member of the Fearsome Five has gotten a five from somebody, except for poor Bushroot. Yeah, Bush- <laughs> I feel... He I think Jim Peterson love. would, yeah, Jim Peterson would have gave him a five. But uh, so, Mike, that's dry hard. What episode do we have next? Okay, yeah, you don't like Banimation, Will? Get ready for this one. Uh, we got Heavy Mental. Um, the episode was what I think has the hands-down worst animation in any Darkwing ep- Dark episode. Um, it has its moments. Mm-hmm. It's it's super morbid, this one. So it's fascinating. I can't wait to talk about it, but it'll be an interesting discussion. So Heavy Mental is next. Our one or t- one of only two or three big Launchpad episodes, honestly. Um, so that's okay. next week, Heavy Mental. Okay, and for the people who are listening to us for the first time, Mike, where can they find us? We're everywhere. I can't believe all the podcast apps we're on. Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, uh, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. Um, speaking to Amazon Echo, she'll talk to you. You know, She'll play the newest episode there. iHeartRadio and Pandora. And watch us on YouTube. Please watch us on YouTube because it's not just the episodes that we do. It's videos. It's commercials. It's that incredible virtual panel. If you guys have not watched that yet, please, please, please watch it. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we're all over the place. And, of course, join our communities. um, The St. Canard Files, the Darkwing Duck podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right. And the only shout out I got this time, Mike, is to me. Finally got that virtual panel out. (laughs) <laughs> again if you guys haven't watched it yet stop let this end go right to youtube you know budget two hours of your day and just watch the thing it's fantastic yeah and then my, yeah and one more last shout out is to all the liquidator fans and our uh, guest co-host with us today tim partridge uh here's your shout out man so thank you for joining us today and guys remember stay dangerous stay dangerous guys good night night <laughs>